Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Good morning, everybody. In fact, it's afternoon. I'm three minutes late. Good afternoon. All on a Tuesday, the 28th of March. Good to have your company from now through until four o'clock. What have we got today? Coming up today, just after one o'clock, we're going to talk to, I actually spoke to him earlier this morning, Brad Shields. Of course, he played for England. Uh, Wasps. Wasps went broke. Went looking for another job, got one in Perpignan, but the great news yesterday that he's coming back to the Hurricanes and um, still relatively young, uh, 31, I think he's 32 next week, uh, but he is very much looking forward to coming home with his young family. So we'll play out that chat for you just after one o'clock. After two o'clock, Wayne Goldsmith, we've had him on before. He's a coaching professional, he's a guru, and he's talking about, he actually, he's done a report called The Fight of sports versus screens, meaning tablets, laptops, phones, which they didn't have when I was a kid, and a lot of our listeners didn't have those when you were a kid, and you just climbed trees and played bull rush and got up to all sorts of shenanigans. But um, yeah, we'll get Wayne on after two, just to see what he's been involved with coaching, right from elite sports to just kids, and so he always has fantastic advice for you we'll probably also have a bit of a chat and play some highlights of the netball in the weekend some uh, interviews post-match a real hoot is Erina Makairi when she talks to Brooke Lever so may well have those for you as well we also have our coaching king of the ring March Madness Bracket and we've got uh, one two three more head-to-heads today and as I just mentioned to Smithy just a little bit of a teaser for the 12.31. We're going to see the names Belichick, Waller, Allen and Muir. And scooting forward, there's some rippers. Uh, there are some absolute rippers, actually. Some good matchups, all seated as according to your nominations. But being midday, uh, madness time, I just thought I'd ask you people out there, there was a lot... I talked yesterday about that tweet I sent and it became a massive rugby versus rugby union conversation, which wasn't my intention at all. But competitions, what, what's the best run competition that you like the most? Uh, and why do you like that competition the most? And also, as I just mentioned to Smithy, it might be the Six Nations, it might be the NBA, Major League Baseball. I think they're both too long those seasons. It could be the NPC, it might be the Heartland. It could be the Dunedin softball. I'm really keen to hear which competition. It can be your local competition. You might have a local futsal competition or a local ice hockey competition. 
a national competition, the ANZ Premiership. You might really like how that's run, the format, the length of time, the home and away, the round robin, and what's the worst run. Well, I don't really want to know the worst. Um, I want to know the best. Let's let's do some, let's be positives. Um, some positivity about the comps you like. I really like the Six Nations. It's got history on its side as well. Champions League, <clears throat> I don't fully understand it. I feel like there's just way too much football for me. But um, your favourite competitions and the formats, the durations, the knockouts, the 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 playoff system, like the AFL and the NRL playoff system or the Super Rugby playoff system, which ones have got it bang on? That's Midday Madness. Keen to hear from you. 0800 150 811. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. So get your grey matter wrangling round in your heads and tell us what the competitions are, the, the leagues, the tournaments that you think are bang on. Zaid in Auckland. G'day, Zaid. Good afternoon, Staffy. Hey, buddy. Hi. Um, just before I get into my uh, topic, I was just wondering if there's any chance to come in and um, preview the UFC next weekend, the big Israel Asanya fight. Uh, is that this week or the week after? Uh, next Sunday, it is. So it's like 10 days' time, in 10 days' time, yep. thereabouts. Month of April, wherever. Oh, I think we should make that happen, Zaid. You're the life member. Um, but, uh, who else is, on, who else is on the card? Uh, Jorge Masvidal, um, Gilbert Brenio Burns. Right, 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 yeah, right. But, but it's Izzy. But yeah, Izzy Pereira rematch, so it'd be great. And you obviously know what my favourite competition is. It's definitely the UFC. Um... Yeah, it's way better than boxing. You get dudes actually matching up against each other. Um, there's obviously one commission, so there's only so there's only one bout per weight division. I uh, got great commentators. Yeah, and you've also got Bruce Buffer, who's an elite <laughs> announcer. It's just yeah, it's just elite. Dana White's pretty good as well. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, Super Rugby's good. Um, I mean, it's not quite as good as New Zealand versus Aussie, but the New Zealand derbies are absolutely um, real good, you know, they just go ding dong battles. I know it doesn't, the players don't like it because they get injured, but it's a great comp, you know, and they've added Fiji and Drew in who, who look pretty good um, when they're on their game. You know, Moana, I mean, they don't look too good this year, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good tournament. Um, the Premier League, it's great, you know, the best football tournament um, pretty much in the world. Like, um, you know, they pay for the most expensive players. I know they've got the most money, so um, they can compete. And any, any team can be anyone on the day. Like, you can have, like, look, Liverpool's lost to, like, Nottingham Forest and, like, teams near the bottom, you know? Teams from the bottom can beat teams near the top. Like, mm. you just don't know what's going to happen. With the, with the Premier League, and I'm not a massive football bloke at all, I, I feel like there's just so many comp- competitions. Like, there is the Premier League. And I guess on its own, yeah. I get that, I understand it. But there's Champions Leagues, Europa, CONCACAFs, and um, all sorts of, uh, they have uh, Charity Shields and FA Cups. They play so many competitions. Yeah, but definitely Premier League's probably the best, you know, because you've got 20 teams competing for the, for the top tournament pretty much in the world, really. You mm. know, it's the most, they pay the most amount of money for players pretty much. It is I mean, the best Man players City, end up. Man City's been dominating in the last few years, but Arsenal's looking like they're gonna—they're not gonna lose the Premier League unless they slip up soon. But they've got a pretty good lead. Um, 
So, yeah, Arsenal's looking the team to win it this year, I think. Beautiful. All right, Zade, good start. Good stuff, buddy. Thank you. That's Zade in Auckland. We'll go to Wellington, talk to Scott. G'day, Scott. Hey, Steph, how you going? Good, mate. Um, I will, I'll, I'll go with the footballing theme as well. Like, I love my NRL, love my Premier League, but um, out of them all, I've got to say the FA Cup. And the reason for that is um, similar in a way to, to what was said with the Premier League, but um, I, th- I feel it's probably one of the only competitions in the world where you can get a, a team of, um, you know, part-time teachers, uh, electricians, plumbers, and that sort of thing, beating a team of, you know, guys that make more money in 10 minutes than I make in a year. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's just that, you know, just just part-time amateurs just really more doing it for fun, getting to take on the, these global superstars and beating them in the process. doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, every now and then there's a there's an amateur team and they get to play um, maybe not a Premier League team but <clears throat> a championship team and they come from a town of 3,000 people and they've found their way into to playing this. And I don't know if it happens every year, but when it happens, everyone I take notice. Exactly, yep. And, and I mean, you know, for, for those sort of clubs, it's, it's sort of like the real grassroots, that the money that they receive just from beating that team um, to go into the next round is, is huge. Um, and, and there has been instances where yes, you're sort of getting League Two teams beating Premier League teams and that as well, because it's, it's unfortunately happened to my team. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, as, as much as it makes you angry, because you guarantee you're thinking, oh, this is an easy win. And, and that's the thing. A lot of the, the Premier League teams, they might rest one or two players and think, oh, it's an easy win. And, and then suddenly you get beaten by this League Two team. And, um, you know, for guys that have to go back to work on Monday or something, it's, it's brilliant. Is the, um, is the FA you know, Cup, is the Chatham Cup the same thing in New Zealand? Um, sort of similar. So it does go right down to the um, through the national league teams and that as well. And you can get, um, I think you can get teams uh, obviously below the national league team through that as well. Um, I, I don't follow it too too much to be totally honest. Um, but I think that's that's how it works. It goes right down to club local club teams and that as well. So you can have your top um, premier local club team playing in it. As far as I'm aware. Yeah, because I, I had a feeling that um, not too long ago, a school, a school first eleven, was in the Chatham Cup and did quite well. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. It's it's sort of um, I, I think over years it's kind of just fallen away a little bit when it's gone a little bit more with the Phoenix and that coming in. You know, you you sort of unless you're associated directly with with a club, yeah, you, you don't maybe follow it quite as much. Mm. Um, and I'll agree with you actually on the the Champions League as well. I'm, I'm not a, not a huge fan of that, and and the main reason for that is I think it's called the Champions League, but you've got a lot of teams that aren't actually the champions of their league. It, you know, you've got teams like from the Premier League finishing fourth, getting to play in the Champions League, whereas it used to be just the actual champions of each each country, which, um, you know, makes more sense. But it's all about dollars, obviously, at the end of the day. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. All right, buddy. Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks, Steph. Have a good afternoon. Cheers, mate. See you later. Um, I've just had a look, actually, at the 2022 Chatham Cup, some of the team names, um, the Matamata Swifts, the Ellerslie Tropics, Ranui Swanson, the Sperm Whales, um, 
Taupo AFC, Otamotai, Puhui, the Zemantics Rovers Juice. There's a heck of a team name there. Uh, Palms North Maris, Wellington Maris, Greytown, Paikakariki, Mapua Rangers. There's a lot of football teams. I'm just trying to find if there was a school team in it last year. I feel like it was recent-ish. Um, Palms North Maris, no. Um, so I'd be interested. Can, can someone just tell me how the Chatham Cup works? I'd be quite interested. We'll go to Kevin and Carpenter. G'day, Kevin. Hi, hi, Steffi. Um, yeah, the, the Chatham Cup, I think it's basically open to all the clubs in New Zealand, so they can all enter like their first teams. Right. So you get the ones playing the top league in their region, but you'll get teams, who, clubs whose top team plays three or four divisions down. They're still in there. Uh, yeah, um, I've just seen the, I've just and, seen the Gore Wanderers played last yeah, year, and then and you might get the odd first eleven at some of the more elite schools or sporting schools playing in senior competitions rather than college competitions, which we may make it that as well. Right. And I do remember going back a lot because I think next year or this year's the centenary. Um, but I think a long time ago when I was at school, there was like the seventy fifth anniversary of the Sherman Cup, and they actually invited all the school first 11s to enter in the early rounds as well. I think my team, my school played in the, played one round and got knocked out pretty oh. early on. That's quite cool, though, to give a, a good first 11 football team a crack a crack at a, um, I don't know, a northern region team. It'll be quite good for them. Yeah, yeah. So if they're playing in senior football, like men's football rather than college football, I think I believe they're allowed to enter as well. Yeah, oh, good stuff. See, good knowledge out there. Lucky, yeah. lucky you were listening to help me out. Yeah, so I think I've seen a few messages through saying I think there should be more football on the on the station. Oh, well, there um, it is. It's been a bit today, which has been good. <laughs> they had a lot of uh, text votes for the Premier League as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. I, I was going to say, say I thought Wimbledon probably gets in there because no matter how much it rains, they always seem to finish on time. I know, yeah. in a rainy country, they always seem to finish. It's amazing. Good man. Good stuff, Kevin. All right. Cheers, buddy. All right. I was just looking at those scores from last year's um, Mount Albert Ponsonby 11-1 over Otamotoi. Uh, West Auckland 6-1 over Onorahi. Some big scores in the first round. 10-0, Wellington Marist over Waikanae AFC. 13-2, jeepers. Northern versus Old Boys. Uh, old Boys out of Invercargill. So the whole, the whole country... The whole country's covered, which is fantastic. Uh, a couple of text messages. Still keen to get your calls. 0800-150-11. For Dan, it's the NFL comp. Goes real well. Six Nations in NRL also up there. Special mention to most big golf tournaments. <clears throat> yeah, I think big golf tournaments. I think the PGA Tour is really well run as well. Um, thank you, Dan. Uh, from Peter. Oh, I like this one. The Waitakere Golf Club in Christchurch. Twilight comp on a Thursday. Rehandicap weekly and some of the best meat packs going around. That's the info I want, Peter. Magnificent. Love a meat pack. That polystyrene base and the glad wrap around it. And it's free. Give me chops. Give me sausages. Give me a couple of meat patties. Maybe a little corned beef. A little rolled up corned beef. I used to play a Thursday club. Palms North Golf Club. It was brilliant. Meat packs. Brilliant. That's good stuff. 0800-150-811. You are welcome to text them in on 8833 if you can't make the call. That is the Tampa Bear Post text machine. Or give us a yelp. 
the best run comp, the one you think the structure, the support, the administration, everything, the points, the playoffs, which ones get it right? 0800 150 11, looking forward to your calls. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, getting you through your workday one hour at a time. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. I did a bit of a search and I found in 2010, six schools got into the Chatham Cup fourth round uh, in 2010. There was uh, <clears throat> Rongatai College and Wellington College got into the fourth round uh, along with Westlake Boys, uh, Auckland St. Peter's, Mount Albert Grammar and Auckland Grammar. Is that six? That's six. Um, so I wonder if that's st- it's still open for them. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. Give us a yell if you know. Uh, the best for me. This is Boris. Jeez, good day, Boris. The best EPL. No playoff circus where a random team can win a one-off. Worst is the World Surf League. It used to be the best based on a full year on different waves, but now it's the top five knockout on the same wave in one day. Boris and the Hawaiian Chiefs. I agree. The World Surf League, the way that they have structured their comp, I'm not I'm not as into it anymore. Um, you still see great surfing, uh, Boris from the, the Hawaiian Chiefs. Oh, Boris, I know the Hawaiian Chiefs. G'day, champion. See you tonight. Um, staff, Chatham Cup is over a century old, which is very impressive from Dan. Uh, Waitakere, oh, I've done the Waitakere. Um, I think Mark is thinking about Kevin Fallon's school team about five or six years ago. Well, there could be. Uh, Kevin Fallon, is he in Auckland somewhere? Oh, don't know. Sorry, don't know. Uh, Wellington College made a deep run a few years ago in the Chatham Cup. That's probably the <clears throat> 2010 one I was talking about. I think for me, I think the best one, I have harped on about it a few times, is the NFL. Because I think the key component that they've got right, that so many sports have got wrong, is they give you an opportunity to miss it by not playing for like the season's four months. Um, there's always like a two-month build-up. Um, there's the draft and all of that stuff around it. But the playing of it is three and a half to four months from start to Super Bowl. And then you've got no gameplay for eight months, and so you miss it. And the case in point was when we had our COVID situation and we had no Super Rugby, and then it came back, Everyone missed rugby. We had nothing. Crowd sizes doubled instantly. Doubled. Because we had a chance to miss it. Now we don't have a chance to miss it. There is so much rugby they have to rest players. There is so much. They don't rest players in the NFL because they only play for three or four months. I think NFL model is absolutely brilliant and the key component is you get a chance to miss it. I think um, with NBA and Major League Baseball, I don't tune until the playoffs. I can't keep up with, what does the NBA play? 80 games, Captain K? 82 games. And baseball's 100 and, I was going to say 160. It's, a, it's an extreme amount of games. And they're playing virtually every day. I can't buy into that unless I was living there and I was a fan and I do follow teams. But I wait till the playoffs because that gives me my month or six weeks of my appetite. I'll have a cursory glance at it. 
The other one I love is the New Zealand Basketball League, our local league, with the Tuatara and Franklin and the Nuggets and the Saints, the great historical teams. Um, but it's run like clockwork. And it's so good, ESPN pick it up and Americans watch our basketball league. That is a huge tick. Now, there is a lot of basketball as well, um, but it's nicely spaced out. It's nicely spaced out. Chris has said the Ames Games in Tauranga is the most well-organised competition around. Uh, Chris, I nearly was at the Ames Games this year, but uh, I had to pull out at the last minute. I can't remember why. But that is a colossal event, a colossal event. And kids, herding kids, slightly easier than herding cats, but the organisers there, they just must be epic. Epic. Um, They didn't have the Ames Games when I was a kid. Um, From Brian, g'day Staffinator. Best comp for me is V8 Supercars. The races are far enough apart to make you want more. Good racing too with a bit of hip and shoulder. Good characters, good commentators. Spins my wheels, bro. I agree. And again, supercars, they don't race 10 months a year. They have time out. They redevelop. You get to know the personalities, as you say. Good journalistic support as well. Great stuff, Brian. Um, 162 games staff, yes, thank you Dermot, 162 games of Major League Baseball, holy heck Um, One from Matt, Staffy I'm going to have two votes, the NRL is a fantastic competition very evenly matched teams, upsets every week, the best players playing week in, week out, but more than anything, the tribalism it generates is quite special in my opinion a contrast to Super Rugby my second vote is for the MPC, pre-Super Rugby days. This is the closest we have ever been to ticking the boxes the NRL does. The tribalism is still genuine at MPC level. I would love to see Super Rugby scrapped and return to only MPC. Include modern professional tweaks like a salary cap to create an even competition, not totally dominated by Canterbury and Auckland. Include Aussie, In the Pacific Islands, in some capacity, I feel the average punter has a greater affinity to the regional teams. Cheers, Matt. I'm I'm 100% with you, Matt, but I'm people of my vintage probably connect more with um, MPC, and that's because MPC was my childhood. MPC is how I developed my love of rugby. There was no such thing as Super Rugby. Super Rugby came along, and I was a a feverish supporter of the Hurricanes because that's the catchment that Manawatu fed and they used, they had the very first game of Super Rugby in Palmerston North and I was on board with the Hurricanes but they never ever ever passed Manawatu I'm just wondering if the Super Rugby 96 that's for 27 years ago okay so maybe people that are under the age of 25 maybe their first experience of Super Rugby because that gets all the commercialism, gets all the push, it gets all the promotion. That's where the All Blacks play. But when I was a kid, the All Blacks played NPC and All Blacks. That was it. So if you're taking your kid along to a game now, do you take him to Auckland NPC or do you take him to the Blues? Because you've got a high caliber player for the Blues. I don't know. I'll never change. I'll always be tribal for my green and whites, as you all well know. But if I was born in Wider Upper Bush, that'd be my team. My father's East Coast. He was born in Tokamaru Bay. He's East Coast hearty. Never change. Manawatu's the second team. Fair enough. 
Anyway, you can keep the text coming. Double eight, double three. We'll take a break for the news. I think Johnny Mac is back today. Welcome back, Johnny Mac. Give us your best. Madness. We're talking about the best run competition, what you like about it, what they do well. It can be domestic, local, national, international, New Zealand, overseas. You take your pick. Ed, kia ora. Kia ora, Steffi. Hey, Steph, did you give my try? Bro, like, <laughs> how fast are you? <laughs> you got to have a cup of tea, my bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you scored the try under the posts. Oh, yeah, and, the, and I kicked the goal, too. Oh, you didn't, didn't see me see that. that. Didn't see me that. No. Yeah, there's some, there's some more cool clips there. But, hey, um, there was I was talking about the national club competition, like, 1984. It's called the Tusk Cup. Okay. And there were 16 teams. Rugby league. And then it just ran over four weeks. Rugby league, eh? Rugby league. And yeah. um, there was a team, like, Manawatu had a team in there, played Wanganui. And then they had to play Horsball from Canterbury to go through. And we had we had um, Mount Albert who won it, and they were coached by um, Mike McLennan. Wow! With old Mark Bourneville, Daryl Williams, Shane Cooper, Ricky Cowan. That was mean. They had been from all over the country. Was it was it, was it the Tusk Cup that that f- it? that that famous try that Frank Tinatalia scored? Yeah, yeah. It was? Well, and, uh, I think in the order who teamed that year, oh, this was uh, 1984, it was Owen Wright, the Royal Party Brothers, Tia and Joe, you McGarry. They were mean because I grew up watching these guys. Mm. I've just found that yeah, try. Man. I've just found that try on YouTube. There you go. What a try. Yeah, man. Oh, you that love was, your league. Cool you love your rugby. I don't know why they stopped that. No. Oh, no, it's all right. They do need something like that, don't they? Because you get a taste of everybody. There's like things from up north. They they played they have plenty or Mahu I think that's Hawks Bay, and then way down in Canterbury Hallsville and Hornby. Those guys went through through to the to the semi-finals or Mahu I don't even know where that is or Mahu, Hatoa, mm, oh I'm, Hawks Bay, or Mahu yeah it might be Hawks Bay yeah, Randwick went through to the final with Mount Albert, yeah, awesome awesome, geez you got a good memory. Oh, no. And oh, no, I'm just looking at I looked it up again. And then, uh, oh, yeah, but, man, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that try I scored for the Legends Cup. <laughs> I won't ever forget it either. You had a different coloured jersey <laughs> on, too. <laughs> Weren't they allowed to tackle you? No, there was no one who could tackle me because that winger was coming from the side and uh, he was too far away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good man, Ed. Thanks for calling, buddy. You enjoy the rest of your day. All good. See you, boy. Um, I might get uh, Captain K to find that uh, YouTube, that YouTube try. Search in YouTube this one. Everybody out there and Captain K, Frank, and his surname is T-I-N-I-T-I-E-L-L-A, legend try. It's 15 seconds long. Have a listen to the commentary. Tell me if it's any good. And if it's any good, we'll play it after the break. We're also going to play the coaching king of the ring uh, for our March Madness bracket. Got some bangers coming up. We'll take a break. We'll come back, hopefully, with Frank's try and... 
the first of today's voting of our super coaches. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. Um, yes, Captain K, he's found a couple of texts, pure gold from Ed. That's from Brian. And Dermot says, I love his energy and I love the NRL comp, how it is so close. That's salary caps. That's salary caps do that. Uh, but yes, this was uh, Frank Tinatalia. I always thought he was Talia. Talia. Frank Tinatalia, I think it is. Um, he was playing for the uh, Odahu Leopards. In 1983, in the Tusk Cup, he got the ball on his own 20, and he's a prop, and then this happened. Tinatelia. Oh, what a powerful man Tinatelia is. Great fan, good pace, what a superb fan, juggling oh, the ball, still going great Tinatelia. What amazing pace. Oh, superb. Frank Tinatelia, age he beat seven players. He fended um, the lock twice, who was wearing a big face guard, uh, stepped to the first two, busted a tackle, fended the lock twice, and then the wing came flying across to make a last-ditch tackle. Um, didn't get it. Frank T, seven attempts to try and tackle him. Yep, thank you from that text. It was It's amazing to watch. Um, one of my favourites is the New Zealand First 15 competition. Great history, great rivalry with schools throughout the country that has been around for decades and, of course, where all our best players started, 100%. 100%. Uh, Staff, my best ever memories are of club rugby in the Manawatu and, like you, the absolute love of NPC rugby following on from that. Don't mention the shield, though. As far as a very polished and consistent event goes, I go back to my old favourite of darts. International darts is at a new level, never seen before. Thank you, Graham. Bang on, darts is a tremendously well-run roadshow. It's it's probably a very much cheaper version of Formula One. They just basically pick it all up, go to the next country slash city, plug it in, dart players play, finish, pick it up, go to the next city or country. So much so, in fact, like most international sporting events that come to New Zealand, whether it be rugby, football, it's basically staffed by locals in the broadcast trucks. The darts bring their own mathematicians, their own camera operators, because they know, you know, he's going for a triple 19, oh, but he's hit a single. They know where he's going to go, so the camera follows them. So they're very, very specialised. So they got they bring their own director, uh, their own vision switches. I think it's for their vision switches, but a lot of people, about half the people in the truck and graphics, they have their own graphics packages. Um, very, very well-run organisation. Their commentators um, are rostered on to go and speak to the VIPs that are in attendance with sponsors' invites and stuff, and they can go and address them. So, yeah, it's very cool. It's very well-run operation. Um, I do love the darts. I'm just wondering... Um, Bracket or break, bracket or break, bracket or break, or break, voting will commence in the coaching king of the ring after the break. Gull.nz, getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
Yes, it is time for the coaching king of the ring. We had some, we had uh, two, four, six playoffs yesterday, so we've got six through to the sweet 16. We're going to find another six today with six head-to-heads. Captain K, uh, in fact, maybe your coach K or administrator K today of the um, of the bracket. I'll, I'll happily be Administrator K. Administrator I K. I can't take Coach K because you know we're catching up with Jimmy later on today I know. and I might get in a bit of trouble because we know that they love to listen. Steph, when you when you told me yesterday that there were some big matchups today and I had a look this morning, sat down as the rightful administrator and thought, oh, there's going to be some hearts broken today, some unhappy texters on double eight, double three with their <laughs> votes coming in, but it is the round of 32 continuing on. The West against the East. Kick it off in the West, eh, Staffy? The West was where the upsets came yesterday. And yes. Hoping there won't be too many today. This one, though, very different fields. Completely different fields. But fantastic coaches. I can't wait they? to see the result of this vote. Some of the most successful in their respective uh, areas of sport will kick it off with the 10th seed, Bill Belichick. Tom Brady's right-hand man. Well, no, uh, this is why uh, Administrator K is in right now, is because Sammy Hewitt's actually trying to get down there to Patriots base okay. as we speak. So when the results are in, he'll hopefully be with uh, Bill if he wins or loses. Now, Bill Belichick, NFL uh, Hall of Fame coach, yeah, won plenty of ring. Gone up against Chris Waller, the notorious <laughs> trainer. He is... He is... He is one of our special exports. New Zealand zone. From Foxton. Headed over to Aussie. From Foxton, Chris Waller just wins races for fun. And I know there was a bit of a discussion. I know Bart Cummings is going to come up at some stage as well. Two horse trainers making it. They are coaches. They coach, a- they coach athletes. They do. They, they put do. in their training regimes. They place them in races. It, it's a, it's, it's, you've got to be a master craftsman to be a master trainer, and Chris Waller is that. So, Western Conference, Belichick or Waller? That's the first one of your text. Open up double eight double three. write the first one down, Belichick or Waller, and get ready for the second one. Eastern Conference, of course, jumping out coast to coast we are today. Number nine seed playing number 24. Number nine seed, Fred Allen. Fred the Needle Allen, captained and coached the All Blacks. Champion, true Rear. champion. Going up against another, Dame Lois Muir. Wow. I, I, if, if we were allowed to vote, I wouldn't even know where my heart lies with this one. This is what I mean. It's upset central today. So people are going to have to make a tough call in the Eastern Conference. Well, Fred see, Allen against Dame Lois Muir. See, Chris Waller, is he's only seated 23. Lois Muir is only seated 24. I could see there's a potential for two upsets here. Of course, Lois Muir um, played and coached the Silver Ferns. Mm, so we're just, it's just their coaching and their influence and their success. So there you go. Double eight, double three. You text Belichick, or you text Waller. Other name, you text Allen, or you text Muir. And this is the coaching king of the ring. I just really don't know what I'm going to vote for. And it is also on. Is it on our Instagram page yet, Captain K? Not yet, but it will be in it the next five be. minutes. They've just come through hot off the press. And of course, yesterday, just to refresh your memory, yesterday's winner, we had Gordon Walker against Craig Bellamy, and Bellamy won that. Uh, then the next one, we had Sir Gordon Titchens against Sir Steve Hansen, Battle of the Knights. Sir Gordon Titchens got through in that one. 
And then we had Arsene Wenger against Mike Hessen. I can't remember who won that one. Captain K can't either. I feel like it was Wenger. I feel like, yeah, it was Arsene Wenger. And then we had Bill Shankly against Vince Lombardi. Shankly got shanked in that one. Yes, the uh, Liverpool legend got beaten by Vince Lombardi. And, of course, the Lombardi trophy is named after him. So they were the winners. And in comes in comes the votes. And I'd have to say, just on the first six that have come in, early favourites are Waller and Allen. They're the early favourites. So we could see a low-down seed. Tipping over Bill Belichick. Where's the NFL fans? My word. So Belichick or Waller, Allen or Muir. We're going to find out our supreme best ever coach in history. If they're still alive, we'll try and get them on the show to hand out the gong after the final. If they're not, not quite sure what we'll do. But we will try and get whoever wins this on the show. We will try and get it. Um, And a lot of great names yet to come. And I'm particularly... um, Probably the last one today. There are two bangers. Oh, there are two bangers in the two playoffs we've got towards the end of the day as well. So double eight double three is the number. We want you to text through your winners. So last reminder, Belichick or Waller, Allen or Muir, Fred Allen or Lois Muir. Um, some more on your favourite events we've got from an unnamed texter, but it's a good it's a good text. The Aussie Open Tennis being the first Grand Slam to use indoor courts makes this a great event, setting the standard. That is a fan. I've never been, but I know it's just it's just our neighbours. I should go one year. Everyone that goes says it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, the Taranaki Open Men's Bowls Tournament, best competition. It's been going for 117 years. I think that's the tournament Nisbo goes to each year in the fours, uh, the Taranaki Open Men's Bowls Tournament. And they'd have a lot of competitors. There's a lot of logistics involved in there. Um, I've already mentioned I think my favourite one would be the NFL for having a model, right? And the big component that a lot of sports don't have is the ability to miss the sport, which makes you hungry for it. And everyone is feverish when the... um, when the season starts, because you haven't seen them, you pretty much haven't seen your team play for eight or nine months. It's brilliant. Have you got one, Captain K? Is there one that you like? Uh, I think the FA Cup mm. for me, because it's it's football heritage. It's football heritage, the FA Cup. Like, I understand your point about how there's so much football in the world, but how do you fit it all in? And I guess that's the point of the Champions League is majority of the top leagues are in Europe and it's amazing to have a a Champions League where the top four or or top three teams depending on your league go in and play against each other to see who's the champion of champions I think the NBA is too long even though I am a big NBA fan it is Mm. it is quite hard to follow 82 games but it's it's about what you enjoy right so I struggle to follow the PGA Tour because players get to pick where and when they play and and it's every different week there's a new event and it's hard for me as a newcomer to golf to try and get my head around it and figure out what tours and what uh, events I actually should be tuning into to see the mm. big dogs. So uh, I'd, I'd stick with FA Cup just off, off first thoughts. Footballers, I feel like they play 12 months of the year. Do they have off-seasons? Like 
there's always competitions going on. So that's the thing. So in the EPL, it's, it's 38 weeks. So there's uh, 38 games in the EPL to finish the season. No playoffs, that's it. But in between, there's things like international breaks. So it depends sort of how good of a player you are because you only play for the one club and your country as well. So there's no playing for uh, your regional team and then your club team. It's just your club. So whatever your club schedule is, you'll stick to that, which is usually around four or five months. If you're good enough to crack the international team, you're playing all year round. So Gareth Bale, he, he just gets the odd long weekend and that's it. Yeah, well, Gareth Bale's retired now. He's put off playing golf. Mm. He is. He's, uh, he was playing on a pro-am the other week and he, and he uh, Still got shot a man really bun? well. Yes, he does. The good Welsh man. It's got to go. Uh, we're coming up to one o'clock. After this, Brad Shields, he's coming home. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, the news, the rugby news of yesterday was the great man Brad Shields uh, said, I haven't had enough of playing for the Hurricanes. I want to come back and do it again. God knows why. Uh, he joins us now. Shields, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me, mate. I did. I did. Um, I've always wanted to come back and play for the Hurricanes. There was one thing that when I left, I was like, surely I might just get one more opportunity. It's probably coming a little bit quicker than I thought due to obvious reasons, but um, <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's cool, it's cool. Yeah, so your hand's been forced a bit, hasn't it, Brad, with um, what happened in, at your UK club, and then you, you, you were, I guess, lucky in a way to pick up pick up a gig in, in France. It's been a little bit unsettled for you recently. Yeah, that's that's probably it, and hence probably the reason why, um, you know, we, we looked at coming back to New Zealand. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few reasons, but... Obviously, one, the rugby, you know, I, I get to play good rugby still. Um, the other part to it is my family and, like you say, being settled and my wife's family lives in New Zealand as well, so it'd be a good chance for them, you know, to spend some time with the grandkids as well. My parents live over here, so they've, they've had a bit of a dose uh, while we've been here. Mm. <laughs> um, but, no, it's, it's, yeah, it was a bit, um, it's been a bit unsettling and, and kind of in a situation where, you know, rugby players probably don't even think that they would be come, come close to being in that sort of situation. I mean, I know you lose contracts and all that sort of stuff, but to be made, a, you know, put in administration and, and lose your job in one day is, is a pretty scary sort of process to go through. What about the rest of the squad from your English club? When, when the dissolvement happened, it just, it was like a hammer came down and it was like one day you're a rugby player fully contract, next day you're not. And it's like, mm. you know, 40 guys on the dole. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the the hard thing about it is that you know it wasn't much long much longer before that that Worcester were, went under as well. So you're talking about you know eighty odd players now 
or 75, whatever it might be, who, who, who are out of contract. And, and like you mentioned before, I'm, I'm honestly extremely lucky and privileged, you know, to get picked up from, from Perpignan and here in France. And, you know, they give me a, an opportunity throughout the season and, and to play some, to play some quality rugby. So very, very lucky. But like you say, there's, there's still 30, 35 guys potentially out there that haven't picked up a contract yet. And, um, and I know one thing that the guys who have taken over Wasps, they've got the best interests of the players at heart. Um, moving the club, you know, keeping the name, moving in the right direction, and they're looking to contract a lot of those guys for the championship next season because some of them just kind of been left in the dark. Unfortunately, the market's pretty flooded at the moment. It's quite a competitive sort of space. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell me about the wasps thing then. So, have they? Sta- have you stayed in comms with them? Did they say, look, we're going to try and get things going again? How have the new, the new people have taken over uh, addressing the wasps situation? Yeah. So they've. Um, so they basically. You know, it's quite a tough one because they've got to work to a lot of things with the RFU and I jumped through a few hoops to, to even, you know, contemplate playing in the championship. And one of those things is paying back rugby creditors. So um, I'm a rugby creditor myself, along with a lot of other players as well who are owed money from uh, whatever it might be, image rights contracts or whatever that is. So that was one hurdle that to jump through to then be able to, one, just play next season. But the good thing is, is that, you know, they want to do that they want to keep the wasp name alive and they've got every intention you know of, of making the club sort of being really successful again and they've got like a five-year plan there's a few of us who are in the leadership group with wasps who have been chatting with the new owner or the new group that that are sort of driving that and there's a few more steps they need to take but they're, they're really confident that well, we're hoping they're really confident they can at least keep the wasp brand alive and play in the championship next year with the hope of pushing up to the premiership uh in the next year or two years, you know. Well, that's good. So so it was like, while it would have been a bitter pill to swallow, all of you guys losing your jobs and still out of pocket as well, um, it sounds, reading between the lines, you still want what's best for Wasps. Um, you, you put in for them, they put in for you. Uh, situations conspired that it all fell over. But um, your relationship with Wasps, um, is there no, no hard feelings? Um. I wouldn't say that completely. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's chucked, a, chucked a bit of a span in the works for a lot of people. I mean, there's a whole different group now driving the loss forward and, and what the players want to see is, is the history within the club. Wasp is obviously a very powerful brand. Whatever happened behind the scenes happened behind the scenes. And and we we as players have always been like, well, we'd love to see Wasp sort of come back in and... and and you know, get to the premiership and be competitive again because no one wants to see the loss of a, a club with so much history, you know. Mm. And I think it was just poorly managed, and and COVID obviously didn't help. But the way we were let go and the way it was sort of handled was was pretty poor from from memory. And and I don't wish that upon any other rugby player, let alone anyone else in business. But I think the new group now they've got you know they've taken over they've you know they've changed the business. It's a complete fresh start. Uh, in a way, minus a, a couple of things they have to do from the past, unfortunately, but that's just the situation it's in. So do you, as an individual who was a contractor, an employee, got shown the door, to, to deal with that that uh, turmoil, do you have to park that and say, that was Wasps Part A, the new Wasps Part B, um, they're going to do everything they can? Do you, do you have a coping mechanism to... to not carry yeah. around this concrete trailer of misery? It's, it's, it's very hard for me at the moment simply because my personal situation with the club in terms of, um, you know, being owed a decent amount of 
money from, from my years there, um, that's quite hard to park until we can kind of get over that hurdle. Yeah. But the other side to it, you're right, is, is, you know, that's my issue to deal with. Right now, I need to focus on playing as well as I can, A, for Perpignan, and then when I come back to New Zealand, you know, still play the best rugby I can. And on, on the, the next part to that is support the club where I can. And um, obviously, the, the new group going forward, the Wasps Legends Group is a massive organisation um, that are helping with the Wasps Club as well. And they've got all the ex-players, businesses, all these sort of networks. And they're trying to drive in the right direction. So that's something that, you know, once you've been in the WASP, you're always a part of it. And that's the good side. So that's the stuff that, you know, you want to see thriving. That's going to make the brand stay alive and, and, and challenge and all that sort of stuff in the coming years, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds like a horrible situation. And it's a club you love, but they shafted you, but you still want to love them. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, the, the good thing, the one, the one thing you can compartmentalize is that it's a completely new group. It's a new. There's a new owner there. There's, there's there's a different outlook on it. There's going to be new coaches, new driving, new board. Um, you know, it's a new. It's effectively a new business starting from scratch. So it's kind of separate to the old entity. So you can get on board with supporting that and hoping that you know it all works well. Because at the end of the day, they're going to employ you know a lot of players who have been left in the dark, and then also a lot of staff who were left in the dark as well. So that's a big part of the support, and hopefully they can you know prosper because everyone wants the competitive nature of rugby to survive in, in the UK. What was the reaction from the local media and the fan base of Wasps when it all happened? Because one thing that you can't deny is the fan bases are so loyal, so that they're a good group of people. Um, did they reach out? Mate, uh, from, from, from a personal perspective, the fans have been absolutely amazing. Like, gutted... The one thing they gutted about is to see us signing contracts with other clubs um, because, you know, they, they still wanted Wasps to be there, you know. Um, but they'll support Wasps. Apparently, there's, there's, you know, untold amount of fans who were willing to, to crowdfund, um, whether it's a five-pounder here or a pound there, to get, you know, Wasps where it needed to be, to get them into the position financially where they could, you know, pick a team and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's a, a hell of a lot of support out there for for the club. Um I think it was a bit of a shock for everyone because it wasn't right up until that last day where we, we, we still weren't convinced that it was going to go under. We thought, yep, no, I think we're, we're okay. It doesn't look, doesn't sound completely right, but, you know, all that, all the advice we were being getting given and that over the weeks it was going to be okay. So I think the public were holding on to that as well. Um, and obviously English rugby is, you know, there's a, there's a few challenging moments um, at the moment in terms of the club set up, but, you know, it wasn't until that day it happened, and I'm, I'm sure the fans feel the same as the player. You know, a bit of shock. They're losing a losing a part of, you know, who they were potentially. For me, I've been there for four years. Other guys have been there for ten or twelve years. So, mm. you know, a small part of you is like, damn, that's kind of could be it'd be like the Hurricanes. You know, touch wood, never happening. But you know, finishing just like that. Mm. What has evolved in Brad Shields as a rugby player in the four years over there? You've been part of uh, Wasps, as you say, uh, the England set up as well. If you were to look at the Brad Shields of four years ago, where's your game gone? Well, apart from putting on a couple of kilos to try and battle these big <laughs> mad mountains up there. <laughs> um, no, I think, you know, the, the one thing about going to Wasps is that they always pride themselves on an attacking style rugby, like what I was used to in the Hurricanes. The one thing that sort of probably changed my game a little bit is probably the confidence. Although I found myself quite confrontational and physical in Super Rugby, um, you know, it's almost like close quarter contact, uh, double tackles, all that sort of stuff. 
especially in the winter up there, it changes the way you play a little bit. So I do find myself being trying to be a bit more physical, um, you know, a bit more confrontational in a way. I think that's been slightly different, hence why people come up here, you know, you come up at 109, 110 kilos, you've got to kind of be playing at 112, 13 to be able to compete with, with some of these some of these big boys. But, you know, France is, is, is much the same. Um, but I think that's probably the one thing that's, you know, adapted it's with the Hurricanes. You know, you, you find yourself on the edge of a, of, a, of a good play type thing. Lucy's always seemed to be in and amongst sort of the free-flowing game of Super Rugby, whereas in, in, in England there's, there's a lot more competition. Yeah, a lot tighter forward play. You're right. Yeah. So um, the Perpignan thing, how hard or easy has it been to focus on a new team given what's happened in the past and now also knowing what you're going to be doing next year? Is it is it hard to focus on the job at hand? Um, not for me because I know, you know, my standard is I want to play the best rugby that I possibly can. Um, no matter what team, and I was like that with the Hurricanes before I left. You know, I don't want to let my standards drop just because I know I'm, I'm moving on somewhere. I, I want to help. Like Perpignan's in a unique situation. You know, we're not we're not fighting for the top of the table, but over here in France, you fight for relegation, right? So every team wants to stay in the top 14. So at the moment, we're in a battle with another couple of teams to to not be in that relegation playoff match. You know, and, and to, to finish 12th or 11th or 10th, so that we've got an automatic. You know, and I want to help the club get as far as I can I'm, I'm extremely grateful for them to pick me up and and, um, and 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 play for them and give me an opportunity obviously when times are pretty tough so I want to repay them by playing as well as I can and help the team where I can and I think that's my main focus and obviously the, the better I play over here um, the better still it's going to put me in when I come back to New Zealand you know Are you going to still be in France when the World Cup's on? No, I think we're going to be coming back. Uh, we'll probably be back in New Zealand between end of June and, and sort of middle of July time. Oh, wow, that's quick. That is quick. All right. Yeah, it is, mate. It's been, it's been a busy year. <laughs> <laughs> I sure, sure has. Um, any thoughts on MPC yet? You know, I've got I've got good ins to the Manawatu Rugby Union. Um, always, <laughs> always looking for a, a robust 113-kilo Lucy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, mate. I mean, the thing is, I can't. I don't. I don't really feel like I could go from uh, June now to February next year without playing any rugby. And and I think if I can, if I can get some NPC under my belt, you know, it's almost like a good stepping stone back into Super Rugby. You know, trying to battle out with the young fellas and and check my fitness and all that sort of stuff. And it just keep me on my toes, you know. So um, been speaking to Wellington a little bit. So hopefully we can we can get something over the line. Um, in the near future and, and the plan is to try and play NPC wherever that might be That's bloody Paco isn't it Paco's looking after Wellington at the moment so I've got to battle him <laughs> Yeah well, he, he, Did he play for Manuel too didn't he as well He did and he loved it he fell in yeah. love with rugby <laughs> all over again in Palmy so let's make it happen <laughs> Shieldsy I tell you what mate the one thing that it's taught me about being in France um, you know without the pressure and, and all that sort of stuff there's pressure don't get me wrong but it's definitely taught me to enjoy rugby again and, and take the fun part out of it. It's almost like being a kid again at, at your first day at school. Yeah. Um, and I hope that, you know, brings me back to New Zealand and hopefully it's the same. I can keep enjoying my rugby because the, the day I said I finished enjoying it, the day I hang my boots up and that hasn't happened just yet. So, You were always one of the great, um, I'll finish it up here, because like at the end of every season in in Wellington days, there were always good dress-ups. Have you maintained your high quality of dressing up like Thor or a caveman at the end of the season? 
yeah. It's funny in the UK we do about three or four different dress ups in the whole season. There's like there's like four four occasions in the calendar year where they're like, no, nah, we're going for it, right, you need to dress up in this, you need to dress up in that. It's more prescribed in terms of groups of what you need to come. But I think I'm still doing all right with my dress up. I think I'm still I have to test myself when I get back. Yes, you will. <laughs> I'll keep an eye on it. I, I'm going to judge you, and I'll give you, I'll give you feedback. Hey, Brad, it's, it's you, brutal. You know what? You can you can you can draw me in your uh, in, a, in an outfit if you want. I'll give you that pleasure. Okay, that'll be brilliant. Not not like not like one of the one of the French girls though. Not <laughs> not bloody Titan, not Titanic styles, but maybe just to dress up. <laughs> yeah, I won't do Brad Shields, the French maid. I won't do that. No. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Awesome, buddy. Well, uh, we're all looking forward to seeing you come back. Um, I, I didn't realise it was going to be so quick. So uh, let's hope you can help Perpignan stay off the bottom. Um, that'll be a tick, and get yourself back home around um, your wife's uh, family, in particular, who, who can enjoy the grandkids. Um, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. You're, you're still young enough, fit enough, and keen enough to to make a big dent on Super Rugby over here next year. So I wish you all the best, uh, Shieldsy and we'll catch up when you get back cheers Bethy thanks very much mate appreciate that thanks for having me fueling your mission pop into your local for some good value fuel gull.nz getting you through your workday one hour at a time you're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ I'm imagining Hurricanes fans and New Zealand rugby fans are stoked to have uh, Brad Shields back. He's a, he's a great bloke, uh, first and foremost, but I'm very interested to see um, how quick, how long it takes him. And I, I think if he can get an NPC, NPC season, it sounds like, well, he does want to play. So hopefully Wellington can um, fashion him into some sort of role uh, with Wellington Lions. And then Super Rugby next year, he'll be 32 and he'll be firing on all cylinders. And he, he was a great team man to have um, in and around uh, the Hurricanes when he was there. And he's coming back a little bit sooner than he originally planned, but it is good, going to be good to have him back into the New Zealand rugby scene. Um, we were talking about your favourite well-run tournaments. One's come in here saying uh, a tournament run by a guy called The Sheriff. A legend of a guy, uh, the Wilton Classic Bowls event in Wellington played every March over two days with top bowlers from all over New Zealand attending. So we've had a few nominations for some uh, lawn bowls events, actually. Um, someone's corrected me. Wallace not from Foxton, he's from Himatangi. <laughs> yep, parents had a dairy farm in Himatangi, but his first uh, training Involvement in horse racing was uh, out of Foxton, I think, with the Paddy Busserton stable. And then when Paddy went to, did he go to Singapore? Chris Waller took over. And then I think it's over 20 years ago, he headed over to Australia with not much money, a handful of horses, and away he goes. 100 and, oh, I think it's, he's had about 125 Group 1 wins. Of course, he had winks, which accounted for a few of them. And one of the texts is, um, uh, I'm voting Belichick, training isn't coaching, and Winks was a freak. It'd be like nominating Usain Bolt's coach, whoever that is, Dean. We did have nominations for uh, Gordon Walker, and I guess the same thing could be said without Lisa Carrington. Would he be in conversation? Uh, coaches are important. Usain Bolt's coach? I don't even know who that was. Um, I do take your point, though. So we've um, we've got the Belichick, Waller, Matchup, and we've got the Fred Allen Lois Muir matchup. 
Um, that's all going to come to a crashing end in about five minutes, so make sure you get your votes through as we are trying to get people into the Sweet 16, so that will commence, I think, later in the week or maybe next week. We've still got two to come. The next one's a ripper, which we'll do uh, after our TAB catch-up. And then the last one of the day, I cannot wait for this one. There are four bangers in there that it'll be at about 2.30. Still to come. Also, we are going to chat to Wayne Goldsmith. He is a coaching guru. We've had him on the show a few times. And he's written a report on uh, the fight of sports, kids playing sports and kids playing on their screens. Um, and, you know, the physical activity that's gone by the wayside with the likes of Playstations and Xboxes and Wiis and phones and tablets and online gaming. Uh, eSports is a real thing now. I'm not going to argue that it's not a real thing. Um, but how can sport win the battle over screens? Hard solution, but if anyone knows, that'll be Wayne Goldsmith. He's a bit of a bit of a coaching guru. Bit of a coaching guru. Um, I'm just wondering if it's more prevalent in um, in the big cities that e-games or screen games and um, PlayStation, that sort of thing, if it's more prevalent in bigger towns. Because I still, maybe it's too romantic of me, I'm thinking of provincial towns and rural towns still having your club your club sport days and not as much gaming consoles in the lounges. I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be more stuff out on the backyard with siblings going at each other. Um, little games of touch, backyard cricket. Am I right or wrong? Am, is it more a inner city thing, a big city thing, in Auckland, Wellington, the big cities? Or is it still happening there? Parents of kids. Are your kids still playing outside in they were meeting up with their mates and going down to the field and kicking a ball and playing catch, all those sorts of things. They haven't got kids, so I don't know. I do see the odd kids. There's a um, like a little half-court basketball court just down the road from where I live with one hoop, and there's quite often a little pickup game with five or six kids down there. There's a little bit of touch goes on at the park just down the road from my house as well, which is just pickup games, not officially run ones. So I'm um, I'm just interested to hear. Parents of kids, particularly in that in that age group of around sort of 10, just before they hit high school, because I know sport becomes encouraged at our high schools in New Zealand, but just that end of primary school, intermediate, is there more of a lean in towards these electronic games and console games, or is there still an appetite to climb trees and so you can throw an apple the furthest? all that sort of stuff, and backyard cricket and games of touch. And what do they do at lunchtimes at these schools? Is there, is there still the big, you know, scrag? Probably not allowed to do that anymore. Bull rush probably can't do that anymore. Force back with the rugby ball. Great. Don't need equipment. Don't need power. Don't need Wi-Fi. Don't need broadband plans with unlimited data. So I'm keen to hear from the parents as well. Before we talk to um, Wayne Goldsmith, in fact, we'll be chatting to him just after two. So you've got half an hour. So if you've got a little bit of that dilemma, Wayne loves hearing from real, real life situations, real life cases. So um, we've had some great questions from him in the past. I remember Graham from Marlborough, from New Northern, texting about his his daughter. Who during COVID times, and she was a, she's a very good netballer, and she was going to embark on the uh, rep scene again, but had lost a little bit of her. Can't remember exactly, Graham. I don't want to misquote you, but her readiness or her competitive edge. 
So any questions for our coaching guru, whether it be high-performing athletes or your kids, do text them through as well on double eight double three, and we'll put them to Wayne, and he'll be just after two. But we got the news, and just after the news, we're going to do a TAB catch-up, as we do at about one thirty each day. But first, the news with Johnny Mack. We are going TABing now, and we're going to join Thad Taylor and TT. I'm seeing the Addington Dogs running in absolutely snotty weather, so I'm picking the cricket uh, as a wee way off starting. Yeah, good afternoon, Staffy. It does yeah, exactly. It's a nice little reference, Addington to Hagley Park, not too far away from each other, so... Yeah, it doesn't look like we're going to get away on time, I wouldn't have thought. But um, in saying that, uh, they say Hagley's a good drying ground. So $1.37 the Kiwis, two ninety the Sri Lankans. Not many can see the Sri Lankans uh, causing much of a uh, challenge to our lads this afternoon if we do get any sort of game. I guess a shortened game gives it a bit more variability. Uh, so perhaps uh, if you were looking to take the outsider, um, you know, you maybe do that if the overs are shortened because, uh, you know, funny things can happen in those short games. But get into the power play. Staff, I see Will Young or Daryl Mitchell to score a century been boosted to four dollars but there are plenty of interesting power plays the guys have come up with to have a bit of a look there and but the way they went last time New Zealand it's hard to see the Sri Lankans causing much of a upset here I would have thought yeah I'm just looking at um, some of the odds and given that there's a chance we'll have a reduced game uh, for me and I don't want to poo-poo your, your ideas but I don't see there being a century scored but if it got down to maybe, you know, 15 overs each, New Zealand hit a six in the first over, $15, because the foot's going to go down straight away. I was just looking at exact. I knew where you were going with that, Steph, and I could see the power play that tickled your fancy. Plus, I know you like power plays at outlandish odds. <laughs> so I was looking right down the bottom, so I knew you'd be down there somewhere. But, yeah, as you say, not a bad not a bad shout, because uh, if they haven't to set a total or chase something half-decent... Um, you know, they've got to put the foot down straight off the bat. So, yeah, why not? $15 worth of five, or not? Yep. Um, Formula One, which we, I haven't talked to you about before. The Australian Grand Prix is on this weekend, and I'm imagining that Max Verstappen is going to be very short. And I don't I don't ever recall uh, Michael Schumacher and his pomp was super short, or even Lewis Hamilton when he was winning them for fun. Verstappen, he's almost got a mortgage on the thing. You always you sort of think back to those days where they, there seemed to be more rivalries. Uh, you know, Williams, Ferrari, Mercedes, they were all sort of vying for it. So it meant that no one ever got that short. But Red Bull just dominate, don't they? So Verstappen, $1.36, I don't think Perez will beat him because they like to give it to Verstappen if they can. I suppose the story's been Alonso mm. uh, in, the, uh, in the Aston Martin. I mean, I think, I think there's still some tickets on him to win the championship out there at 500 to 1 <laughs> uh, at, at one point before the start of the season. So... Look, I think he's around eight dollars. Uh, it might be ten or eleven dollars to win it all now. I just can't quite find that market staff, but he has shortened up immeasurably. So interesting to see Fernando Alonso. They got the bonus back in this race as well, staff, and they've extended it um, to second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. You'll get a refund as a bonus bet up to fifty dollars. So, but what do you do in that situation? Do you back the staff in and put a banker? And if he did, he's not going to run outside the top six. You take your bonus bet, or do you venture further afield to a Charles Leclerc hopes that Mercedes, uh, sorry, Ferrari can do something, go with Alonso, or maybe the stable mate Sergio Perez can do something. 
Yeah, I sort of agree. I think Alonso is probably the most likely to cause an upset at some stage in the F1 season. Uh, something I'm going to do, whoever we talk to from the TRB, on the daily, a monster game of rugby this weekend. The Chiefs are hosting the Blues. It was pretty much a coin flip, but I know sort of Tuesday's moving day for the odds. Have we seen movement in the Chiefs-Blues game? Yeah, down to $1.77, the Chiefs. So we have seen movement. If they get a few players back, they obviously rested a few last weekend and still got the job done. So I think with that, those players coming back into the side, um, their Chiefs are at home, it's always worth a few points. So yeah, they have gone that way. And as you say, this is a good time to have a bit of a look at the odds Monday, Tuesday, because that's when you're going to get the movement in these markets. These markets become rock solid, as you well know, uh, you know, in the last sort of 24 hours leading up to these games, unless something untowards happens to a player here or there. So... That is a chance to get a little bit of value, and uh, customers have identified it in the Chiefs uh, at home against the Blues. But yeah, there'll be bonus back on that game as well, staff. So you can take the Chiefs twelve, plus, uh, twelve and under, or thirteen plus. Uh, all the Blues are the same, and a few other margin hits, you get a bonus back bet up to fifty dollars, and that's applicable to all games with New Zealand teams in it this weekend. To Hurricane Sport. Reds, Crusaders, Moana, Pacifica, Highlanders. So they're the games to look out for there. Now, <clears throat> given you've been involved in the racing bookmaking for a long, long time, you would have been pouring over the fields for tomorrow in New Zealand. Mata, mata. <laughs> Always put on a good race. So gun to your head. You have to give me one for tomorrow. Steph, Steph, no. I can't. I, can't, I haven't got there yet. I have not got oh. there yet. Yeah, no, I'm working on it right now, so I haven't got anything for you. Would you believe it? I'll give you one for Saturday, though, Steph, because it's the Australian Derby. The fields have just been drawn, and Sharp and Smart is the Kiwi runner for Graham Rod and Debbie Rogerson, who will be favourite in the race. Drew Barrier 17. Watch out for a horse by the name of Mark Twain. Uh, runs in the uh, runs, draws Barrier 5, ran fourth in the New Zealand Derby behind Sharp and Smart, and by all accounts has been flying uh, at around $8. So maybe there's one for Saturday for you. Mark Twain, that's the best I can do at this stage. Magnificent Christian name too. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't <laughs> yeah, exactly, I? Exactly, exactly. Well named. <laughs> Good on you, TT. Good catching up. See you, buddy. Thanks, Debbie. See you. TT, Thad Taylor, um, giving us Mark Twain for Saturday. And just looking at that market... Uh, here we go. Sharp and Smart at 3.50. Pericles is at 6. And then Mark, T- uh, Mark Twain at... Eight, they're the only three horses in single figures. Man's Voice eleven, Elliptical thirteen, Andalus eleven. So Mark Twain at eight. That might find a little bit of my speculative, speculative money. Right, we'll have a break. Uh, we've got the results of our first of our head-to-heads in the Coaching King of the Ring. We will announce those. Is it Belichick or Waller? And is it Fred Allen or Lois Muir? The results and the next head-to-head after the break. This is the coaching king of the ring. And it's results time for our first matchups, uh, Western and Eastern Conference. Shifted seats in there. Who who's running the cutter? No one. No one. Must be me. Um, I think Sammy's gone down. Staff, his mic's not working. 
we've uh, we've had to switch seats because uh, Sammy, I think his mic's not working because he's down at the Belichick camp I'm at back. the moment. We've I'm got back. him. We've just uh, set up the link. Technical, technical. Sammy foul. down at Patriots camp with Bill Belichick and the family. Te- technical. <laughs> yeah, I'm down here with Bill. He's uh, he's a cold man at the best of times, and uh, he may be a little bit colder after today because. Going up against Chris Waller, and uh, I would have agreed with one of the texters in here saying that it's uh, more of a trainer uh, as opposed to a coach. But uh, he did get the win, 20 uh, by one vote. Who did? Uh, Bill, Wa- uh, Bill Waller. Chris Waller over Bill Belichick. By one? By one. Smithy by one vote. Smithy's comment to me just before 12 was, he said, Belichick Waller, one of them, one of them coaches athletes with brains, mm. and the other one's Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> It's not bad. It's not bad for a Smitty, even though I do, I'm a big Billy B uh, fan. Um, so I'm going to call that somewhat of an upset, and then uh, well, it's the 23 seed beating the 10 seed. Yeah, and then, the, and then and then and then in the East, um, Lu- is it Louise Lois Lois Muir uh, going up against Fred Allen, and look, that resounding victory to Fred Allen on that occasion. Really? So, yeah, resounding victory. Um, so Fred Allen and Chris Waller. Go Chris through. Waller go through. I keep wanting to calling him. Want to call him Bill Waller because that's the way Kez has written it here for me. Um, <laughs> so that's that's two more through into the Sweet 16. Uh, t- uh, the next matchup, and I'm very much looking forward to this. And oh, there'll be the, oh, second one the Eastern so Conference. Weird. There's going to be a lot of consternation about whatever result comes through on this. So in the Western Conference, we have uh, the eighth seed Sir Graham Henry mm. um, going up against the 25th seed Dick Tonks. Oh, Grumpy Trunks. I feel like I know where that one's going to head. And then in the Eastern Conference, we've got Dame Nolan Tauru against Eugene Be- uh, Behrman. Behrman? And that is... Um, is Zade only allowed to text through once? Yeah. Is that one text? Okay. Because I imagine he's going to spam the text machine. Um, <laughs> D- uh, Dame Nolan is the favourite there. Like I said, seventh seed playing the 26th. But I... Early pundits have suggested an upset there from uh, the 26th seed. Dame Eugene. Nolan... Oh, Dane Nolly, Eugene. Yeah, I don't know. Don't vote for the... Don't vote... Well, try and not vote for the sport you love. Look at them as coaches mm. and what they've done. Now, oh, jeez. It's just that we, I've got so many unfortunate matchups because I'd like to see both Dane Nolene and Eugene go through. I think mm. they're both wonderful coaches. <laughs> so that's the tricky one for me. So, Torua v. Beerman. That's one vote. And... Sir Graham Henry against a rowing Hall of Fame coach, Dick Tonks. Mm. Of course, he coached for a long, long time. Marion Bond is most um, decorated ones, but there were a number of crews as well as that. So, Henry Tonks, Taurua Beerman. And people criticise us with the biscuits um, for saying, you know, like, oh, how can you put up Tim Tams against hundreds and thousands? But you got to beat the best to be the best. It do, I don't care if Totoa, you know, doesn't beat Beerman if Beerman doesn't end up winning anyway. Like, it's six or one. you got to beat everyone. There's so, only one winner. Correct. You're going to meet someone tough correct. at some stage. And no one remembers who finished a losing semi-finalist in these things. It's about finding the best coach. But And the seedings have all gone in order of the number of nominations. So Dame Nolene seeded seven out of 32, which is amazing. Graham Henry, eighth. Not a huge surprise. Dick Tonks at 25th. Eugene Beerman, and I know UFC's polarising, but as a coach, look at the stable he's brought on. Oh, I can't choose between Dame Knowles and Eugene Beerman. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. So get those texts through, double eight, double three, please. And, um, I've had a couple of... <laughs> 
I've had a couple of people um, with questions for Wayne Goldsmith, so I'm very happy about that. So do keep them coming in, please. Um, Zane has said, Hi, Staffy, my 14-year-old son lives at the skate park. Good. And my 10-year-old daughter spends way more time outside with her mates than she does at home with her device. That said, I see kids as having far less interest in formalised sports these days. They seem much more interested in sports where they can choose when and where they do it. For example, scootering, skating or mountain biking. That's a really good take, Zane. I'm saving that. Yes, because organised sport, you have to be at Ongley Park at 8.30, you play to 9.15, you go home, no choice. Whereas if it's a bit bit iffy in the weather, you just go, oh, look, I'll just, I'll wait and I'll go skateboarding later. That's a really good point. Um, kids do like the freedom of choice. Um, Tom in Brisbane, I don't really have issues with the kids playing the odd game on Xbox, etc., but it's the YouTube TikTok influencers that have the kids addicted, that is a massive issue. They talk like them, their behaviour is disgusting, and they swear, etc. Some spend seven to eight hours a day on that stuff, and it's just not right. Mine don't, luckily, because their addiction is sports, so they're outside all the time, but it's a big problem. Tom in Brisbane. Tomo, Tomo in Brisbane, thank you very much. Yes, the um, TikTok and the Instagram stories and the reels and the um, TikTok in particular, people just... these young people work here and I said what'd you get up to last night oh bro I was just on TikTok just going through TikTok it's so entertaining which it is it's a really good two really good points that I'm going to um, that I'm going to put to Wayne Uh, John says the weather's pretty feral here in Christchurch Staffy can't see any game go ahead at all thank you John yes I'm uh, keeping an eye we're back at the Addington Dogs it looks full-blown midwinter and uh, one team that will definitely want to play this is Sri Lanka because they look like they're not going to get automatic qualification to the World Cup they're going to have to go through qualifying stages Um, and I'm getting a few more messages saying I live in Christchurch there's no chance of any cricket today Um, I'm just uh, we're 15 minutes past schedule time for the toss range delay proceedings uh no sign of when the toss is going to be made. And New Zealand Cricket have just sent out a photo of the ground, full covers on, ground staff and oil skins and gum boots, the whole drama. So pretty unlikely, pretty unlikely at this stage, but I'll keep my eye on things for you. So uh, we'll have our last break. Do remember, get your votes in for the playoffs, which were Graham Henry or Dick Tonks. Dame Nolene or Eugene Beerman, that's our playoffs. And also some questions for our coaching uh, guru. He's a maestro. He loves energising kids into getting playing sport. And he's put out a paper titled Sports versus Screens, The Sporting War Against the Machine. So we will get him on to talk about his findings, his observations, and perhaps um, some way to maybe write the sporting listing ship. So get those questions in on double eight double three. That is the temper bed post text machine. You're an afternoons with Staffy in association with Goal. Goal.nz is where you go to register for the notification when their fuel's going to be cheap, cheap, cheap. And they fuel your mission all year round. That's what Goal do, and they fuel this show each and every day. We'll have a break, and we'll come back and wrap up the hour. 
fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. We're moments away from talking to Wayne Goldsmith, who's um, he's, he's compiled a report, actually, entitled Sports versus Screens, uh, the sporting war against uh, the various machines out there. Had a couple of good texts in, which I'm going to put to Wayne <coughs> in about uh, five minutes or so. So if you've got any observations or um, want some help, actually, um, because he's always helping kids and parents in their relationship with sport, getting them in introduced in sport and activity um, kids becoming less active I think everybody knows that uh, I've had a couple come through saying their kids are into the sport but that's that's awesome um, so I've got some great some great points to put to Wayne um, after the break uh, sorry after the news so it's a pretty good report actually and I'll, I'll let you know where you can access it um, I'll get Wayne to let us know where you can access it with his his findings. Um, so that'll be just coming up after two o'clock, and uh, we'll keep you up to date. The weather in Christchurch doesn't look to be improving anytime soon. Um, New Zealand are low on cattle. Um, someone's just said, I'm just trying to find this. Oh, the Stags. The Stags are playing the Canterbury Kings. Lots of New Zealand A players in that match, so that's players. Oh, I might get up to date with that. I don't know where it's being played, but I'll keep you up to date with those scores. We'll have some cricket to follow. Uh, but we're coming up to news, and of course, Johnny Mac brings you that. And after the break, sports versus screens. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. I have got the scores of the Canterbury CD. Uh, Canterbury are batting first. They are 167 for five. McKenzie not out 30. McConchie is not out 50. So a good partnership there. Uh, Wicket takers. Clarkson has two for 25. Lennox one for 15. Uh, Patel has one for 35. And Dougie Bracewell has one for 35. So how many overs have gone, Steph? Uh, 42.4 overs. So... Just about 43 overs, 167 for five. That's where we're sitting at the moment with that. Right, we've been talking about it for the last half hour. Got some ripper questions to come for the coaching guru. That is Wayne Goldsmith, and it's a great pleasure to welcome him back into the show. Is Wayne there? One moment. We're just getting him up from Australia. Oh, it says wait. It's a little note that says, wait. I can see we've got them, but any questions for Wayne on kids and sport? Um, we've got some stuff, a uh, couple of good ones. Tomo, Zane, Zane seen in a couple. Um, so we'll be getting to Wayne very shortly. Uh, just looking at his report here, um, the opening line is, the, is 
Actually, I won't tell the opening line because we have got him here now, the coaching guru. Welcome back into the show. Good to hear from you, Wayne. How are you, mate? How's life been for New Zealand's finest individual? Oh, I'll have to ask him later. <laughs> uh, Wayne, we've been talking about this and I've been asking for questions from the listeners and we've got some, which we will get to, but sport versus screens. Straight away, my ears and eyes pricked up and the subheading is the sporting war against the machine. Um, in a in a summarising statement, what lent you towards writing a report like this? Well, I, it was actually I was in Ireland and in between copious quantities of the, the black stuff, the <laughs> wonderful Guinness, in between that, I, I was talking to coaches about the, some of the challenges that they're facing in Ireland. And, you know, you think, well, the other part of the world and it's, it's, a, it's an island and, you know, maybe they're not experiencing the same issues that we're seeing. But the first thing coaches said was kids, they don't want to come to training. They don't want to work hard. They spend all their time on their phones. They're always on their devices. And it hit me, Steph. I, I went, it's a global issue that we're, we're offering great coaching programs wonderful sporting experiences the clubs are doing the best they can but all the time the the enemy's in the pocket you know the enemy's in their hand it's in their bag there's this constant lure away into the electronic world and then that led me to think well if that's the case we're not going to be able to remove screens from the world that's never going to happen mm. it's up to us to be better at what we do how do we how do we win this war how do we compete and make sport as appealing or more appealing than staring at a screen. How much of a role has the adults in these children's lives have? And I'm, I'm saying parents, I'm saying teachers, because I get the feeling now parents are way more busy and have a lot more commitments than my parents did when I was a kid. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? And, and look, I was out for dinner a few weeks ago and there was two parents and they snapped at their kids and said, hey, no phones at the table, which is fair and reasonable. They were in their early teens. But then mum and dad constantly on Facebook, sending texts a whole bit. And one of the kids snapped at dad and said, hey, dad, what are you doing? Oh, look, I've just got to, you know, that word just, mate, you know, mm. I've just got to send that. I've just got to check that. So I think they're seeing us. And we've all fallen for the same trap is that you can't put your phone down over dinner. How many times have you been out to dinner and you're sitting there and you're enjoying a steak and you're having a, a great time with mates or a partner or a friend? You lift your head and you look around the room and there's people sitting at the restaurant who are not talking to each other. Mm. They're staring at their phones. So the kids are seeing what we're doing and the way we're interacting with screens. And it's no wonder then... So they think, well, this is pretty normal because that's what my adult role models are doing. Yeah. Gosh, I was going to say, how, how do we fix it? And I've just seen a, a, one of the headings in your report says, what's the solution? It, it's, gosh, it's, how do you find a solution to this? Well, you're up against, uh, I, don't, I hate to say the word enemy, but you're up against an opponent who's not playing by the rules because... I mean, think about it. Every time you go online, there's something new. So if you watch, what's the way the kids use TikTok? And, and it, they don't go back 
and rewatch the same thing over and over again. They watch it once and then they send it to everybody that they've known since the day they, they were born mm. and they swap and then they get on a loop of discussion about what happens there. Now think about a lot of coaching and sporting contexts. Quite often they turn up and what do we do? Hey, do two laps around the park for warm up. What do we do? We do the same warm up, the same stretches, the same drills, the same routines, presenting that to kids who don't like doing the same thing twice, who are constantly looking for rapidly changing and engaging stimulation. I, I, I think that we, we can win the war if we're prepared to adapt and make our training inspirational, engaging, um, really satisfying. You know, I think we can do it. But if what we're doing is just complaining about our difficulties and how hard the screens are to, to battle with and doing the same things over and over and over ourselves, well, they're going to completely disengage. And it's a, it's a massive challenge, I think, for coaches in sports like swimming, rowing, diving, uh, track and field, where they've got huge loads and they're doing a lot of work repetitively. That's not something that the kids are used to because the screens give them constant change, constant variety, uh, immediate feedback, instant gratification. It's very hard to compete against the screens. So I, I, my suggestion to coaches are we've got to think more like the screens. We've got to coach more like the screens. Because when you watch kids on screens, it's almost like it's almost trance-like. It takes over their whole world and you can't talk to them because they're so at one with that screen. And also, if you lose on uh, your game on a screen, no one sees you've lost, but if you lose a game at sport, they see you lose, and it's more comfortable for no one to watch you lose. That's a fascinating point, mate. I didn't even thought of that, but that, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Because the, 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 the athletes who uh, are intimidated or find it difficult to be out there and say, this is me, this is what I can do, have a look at my performance, the scoreboard is there for all to see. You're exactly right. They can be in their lounge room, be playing a game, they, they lose the game or the character dies or whatever it might be, depending on what screen they're staring at at the time, and they just start again and no one cares and there's no judgment and there's no parent yelling at them and there's no irate fans on the side. It's a pretty safe experience for them. You can see again... You know, so, so that then, but I, I think then stuff is, is, all right, well, if that's the world, we can't change the world. What can I as a coach, what can I as a parent do differently to make what I'm doing safer, mm. to make kids feel more comfortable and express themselves? Because the, the world ain't going to change for us. And, and, and this is a constant battle, mate, isn't it, that schools will talk about banning screens and taking phones off kids that's only a very, very short-term fix because, you know, as soon as they get out of school, they're straight back on it. You know, and I, the other thing I, I, that, that I think is, is super challenging for those really high-commitment sports, you know, like swimming and uh, rowing, some of those sports, you know, what does a kid do first thing in the morning? They turn their screen on. Mm. What do they do if they're a swimmer or a diver or a rower? They get up and they go straight to training. Or what does a kid do immediately after school? They turn their screens on and they start connecting with their friends. What do they do if they're in serious sport? They go and train. 
So we're, we're also taking them away from their screens and their community, their connection to their friends and family. We're taking them away from that at those two critical moments of the day. So naturally enough, their friends are going, hey, you know, what happened to Sam? What happened to, to Bill? What happened to Susie? They weren't online immediately before school, immediately after school. And that starts to become an issue because they, they're missing out on that communication experience with friends and family. Mm. Um, some questions that have come in. One's come in from an Aussie listener, actually, Wayne. Tom, I'll read it in full. Um, <clears throat> I don't really have an issue with the kids playing the odd game on Xbox, etc., but it's the YouTube and TikTok influencers that have the kids addicted, that is a massive issue. They talk like them, they behave like them, which is disgusting, and they swear. Some spend seven to eight hours a day on that stuff, and it's just not right. Mine don't, luckily, because their addiction is sport, so they're outside all the time, but it's a big, big problem. And I tend to, TikTok is enormous in the youth. They just sit there watching. Yeah, and and the, have you noticed, too, with, with particularly with TikTok, but even now on uh, Facebook and YouTube, people are getting smarter. There was some data that came out for, about YouTube where they said um, after the first 30 seconds, you've already lost 30% of your audience. I mean, think about that. After, no matter how good you are and how engaging the content might be, if you're on YouTube, after the first 30 seconds, you've lost about 30% of your audience. After two minutes, you've lost 70%. Mm. So the message is they want short bursts, they need it to be engaging, and even then you've only got them for a minute or two. That, that presents a lot of challenges because, you know, again, Stafford, what we've done in coaching for so long is we've tried to get kids better by just repeating things. So I say, right, you want to be better passing left to right, we're going to do 200 left to right passes. That doesn't work anymore because repetition is not part of their world anymore. It's mm. they, they don't do anything more than once or twice. And this is a massive challenge for coaches who might have said, look, I've got a, a great program. I believe in repetition and repetition is the, master, is the mother of excellence. That may have been the way we've operated in the past. You're now dealing with kids who after they've done the first two or three have switched off and said, what else have you got for me? And we then have to be better at creating quality learning experiences and engaging with the kids and try and keep them connected a little bit more through some different techniques. But yeah, that, that is that, that rabbit hole, isn't it? You know, you, you sometimes you're on and, you know, I pick a classic is rugby. You know, I was watching a little bit of that Irish game from Six Nations and at the end of the YouTube is about an 11 minute summary from an English broadcaster. You know, the next thing that pops up is a 30-second one-minute interview with one of the Irish players. And then the next thing that pops up is a New Zealand commentator talking about the game. And all of a sudden, you've lost an hour of your life because <laughs> of that, that suction, brain suction effect of dragging you in. And it, look, it is a big, big issue, particularly for young kids. Uh, another one here says, this is from Zane, my 14-year-old son lives at the skate park, and my 10-year-old daughter spends may wa way more time outside with her mates than she does at home with her device. That said, I see kids as having far less interest in formalised sport these days. They seem much more interested in sports where they can choose when, 
uh, they can choose when and where they do it. For example, scootering, skating, mountain biking. They pick their own schedule. Interesting observation there too, Wayne. Yeah, Matt, that, that's, that would be one of the most uh, – it's, it's almost a tidal wave of change to really pull on a big analogy there. That, that it is – what's happening in sport around the world is the numbers of people who want to participate – in some sort of physical activity, is strong. Uh, the numbers kids are going and saying that it is strong in a lot of the numbers that we have pre-COVID. Wayne, we're just, you you're, you're just you're identify. just breaking up there, Wayne. You, you must have you moved. All right, we'll try again. Have you moved? I, I now I haven't moved. How's that? I'm oh no, that's now. good now. That's crystal clear now. All right, I tried to. So I don't know how much of that you got, but what we're seeing is that the numbers of kids coming back to sport is exactly what we'd hope post-COVID, but they're looking for different experiences. And the shift towards informal sport to things like park runs, to turning up and doing parkour instead of gymnastics, to doing creek swimming and open water swimming with friends rather than doing organised, those things are booming all over the world. The, the the rise of informal sport hmm. where people are saying, I want an experience with sport that suits me. And this is the big challenge then for clubs, isn't it? Because what clubs want to do, junior clubs want to say, come to our ground with our coaches, doing our program, go to our bar. Eat our, they want it all to be centralised and delivered in a simple, structured way that suits them. The participants are saying, no, what we want is an experience that suits us. Mm. And if you can't deliver it, we'll do it ourselves. We'll generate it ourselves. Yeah, really good point. Uh, another one here says, Steffi, the other key issue is the academy approach to sport these days. Academies sell false hope to parents trying to live vicariously through their kids. This leads to kids thinking they have to make an academy to be considered any good at sport. Unfortunately, these academies are generally revenue-focused, so they limit opportunities to those kids whose parents have a cash to pay for their false success. My son hated the academy culture of his football club, so he quit football at 11 years of age and has never once considered going back. Yeah, I, this is something that's very close to my heart. Mate. The, I've got a 20-year-old that referees football, so soccer, on the Gold Coast. I've got a 16-year-old that plays do you know that there's one of the academy programs here for 16-year-olds He's charging, I hope you're sitting down, they're charging $5,000 a year. Jeez. Now, they say to the kids, that's, that, that they say to the parents is the, the point, they say to the parents, look, that will give you access to world-class coaching, uh, a professional environment, a whole bunch of stuff. Mate, from what I've seen, all they do is give the kids really nice tracksuits. They have some sort of accredited coaching and they do a lecture now and again. They do a pre-season nutrition lecture. It's not really what I would call an academy program. And you're exactly right that the, the parents are now of the belief that uh, in, in a sport that is basically some air pumped into a chunk of leather being kicked around a park, that unless I'm paying top dollar, my kid won't get great coaching, won't get the experiences they want. Now, if you combine that, you and I have talked about sporting parents in the past, 
that vulnerability that so many sporting parents have got who honestly believe that their talented 11-year-old is one step away from Manchester United, that they'll pay anything to see their child have that opportunity that they think will take them to Premier League or international level professional football. And it's a miss. It, it, the, I, I haven't seen the data, but I would love somebody, if there's a researcher out there, I would love someone to, to do some research for us and go, these are the kids that are currently playing professional level football or senior football in the world, and these are the kids that came through an expensive academy program and see where the two lines are. I suspect that the actual success rate for the kids coming through really expensive academy programs, particularly 10, 11, 12 years of age, the success rate is no higher and probably even lower than kids who've just come through good, solid club-based coaching programs where they felt well-supported and they were playing footy with their mates. The data might be there, someone someone from uh, AUT or somebody might be able to show it at us, but the, the, I, I, I have no doubt anecdotally that the success rate of kids in those programs is no higher than the kids are just in great local community football clubs. Is the, uh, I'll, I'll close off shortly, Wayne. Is there too much um, importance... And I don't know. You've been doing it a long, long time. Is there too much importance on winning and talent being associated with sport? Um, I know a while ago, I think, and I might be wrong, I think it was netball at school level, they didn't keep score and even got participation certificates and they just said, that's just wrong. You've got you to train that win-at-all-costs mentality. But sport isn't all about winning competitions and gaining national recognition. So the natural talent part, how important is that? Yeah, and not really. Uh, the system is largely based around the world. So the sporting system, the pathway model, is largely based on finding talent, putting into intensive training programs, and accelerating the rate of development so that the player will eventually make it to professional level or to Olympic level. It is, again, it's a myth. It doesn't really work. Like the, the, but as you and I know, and you, I mean, you talk to some great sports people, if you say to a, an all-black, if you say to a fern, if you say, why do you do it? They'll go, because I love it. Mm. Hey, that's the key. Love is the most powerful high-performance word in sport because if they love what they do, they'll do what they love. If they're doing what they love, so they're turning up, if they've got any talent at all, there's a chance for that talent to be expressed. So if we put love of the game first, and if we put a love of what they do as our primary focus as parents and coaches and clubs, they'll keep coming. And if they're coming, you know, the, the only child who doesn't get better is the one who's not there. And that's our, that's our absolute priority is if we go the other way and put talent first, I just I mean, think about it. We put together these junior talent programs, and it's a huge issue I know in, in New Zealand and everywhere else. But if you put a 10 or 11-year-old in uh, an elite junior sports academy, what happens? The kid gets an accelerated expectation, so do his parents, of his capabilities or her capabilities. The kids who don't get selected go, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not good enough to be playing this sport or any other sport. I'll just walk away from it. Nobody wins mm. when you put talent first. When you put love of what you do first, everybody wins. Because even if that kid drops out of rugby at 15, when they're 25, 26, 27, 30, and they've got kids of their own, 
the first thing they do is bring them back to the game because they love the game so much. Inspiring kids to fall in love with what they do, there is no loss in that. Everybody wins from their staff. Clubs win, the sports win, kids win, everybody wins. If we make it about talent first, everybody loses. It's, it's a, the strongest message that I can give. Don't make it about talent. Wayne, we've got to push on. We're way over time. I'll leave you with this. I think it's tongue-in-cheek. Paul has texted her and said, the easy fix is to coach by 30-second TikTok videos. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Wayne, we've got to go. Thanks, heaps. Thanks, heaps, buddy. There he is, Wayne Goldsmith out of Australia. We'll have a break and we'll come back. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, getting you through your workday one hour at a time. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Last chance to get your votes in. It hasn't been very heavily voted on this one. We could see an upset unless you get your votes in. We've got Graham Henry versus Dick Tonks and our greatest coach, the coaching king of the ring, as we call it. Graham Henry versus Dick Tonks and Dame Nolene Taurua versus Eugene Behrman. Get your votes in because we're going to take the news and after that it's results. So you've got about two minutes, double eight, double three. Get those votes in and then we're going to announce the big one the big exciting one for me today in fact both of them are absolute bangers so double eight double three henry or tonks taurua or bearman interested in your votes interested in the news too because johnny mac does it and he's doing it now Here's the music for March Madness and our segment today and this month. And this stanza is the coaching king of the ring. King or queen of the ring. There are mm. some women coaches in here. Might have to make a change as we get down towards the, the playoffs. But results. Uh, we- yeah, well, look, i tell you what. Uh, Dame Nolene going up against uh, Eugene Behrman. And uh, this was in the... Eastern Conference, and uh, Nolene, uh, Dame Nolene coming in at uh, number seventh seed, Eugene Beerman at number twenty six, and um, I thought Eugene Beerman might cause an upset here, but uh, the people have stayed with Nolene, the faithful have stayed with Nolene, and uh, she's taking a chocolate. She makes her way through to the Sweet Sixteen. She may even go a little bit higher, so a name change might be on the cards. And in the West, we had Sir Graham Henry, the eighth seed, going up against Dick Tonks, the twenty uh, fifth seed, and uh, predictably, uh, Sir Graham has won in a landslide. So, um, two of the two of the greats there, two of the Kiwi greats certainly, uh, Sir Graham Henry and uh, Dame Nolene, making it through to the Sweet Sixteen. Both um, Sir Graham's been knighted. What is it called when Nolene became Dame Nolene? Is that it's not knighted, is it? What is it? Uh, da- is it damed? Damed? I don't know. Damed or. I don't know. It's anyway, a good question. I will figure that one out. We've got those two uh, high, high-performing New Zealand coaches, but these are the two I've been waiting for all day. In the Western, in the East, or in the West? Actually, both. Okay, so in the in the Western Conference, we've got the number six seed, Duncan Lang, Lang, Duncan Lang Duncan of Lang. Daniel Loder fame, uh, going, amongst others, going up against Brendan McCullum, the twenty-seventh seed, and very interesting there because obviously recency. Um, that's probably why he's 27th, but 
Interesting matchup. Very interesting matchup. Yeah, and do remember that while Brennan McCullum is coaching England, and what a turnaround he's made for them, he has coached in the IPL for a while as well. Okay. So he does have pretty good coaching credentials. But Duncan Lang, oh, romance versus recency. Mm. That's where I'm going with that I one. I feel like I know where that one's heading. And then in the Eastern Conference, um, once again, a Kiwi favourite. Fifth seed, Graham Lowe. Oh, Sir Graham Lowe? Yeah, I think he's a Sir. Sir, uh, Sir Graham Lowe. Uh, if he's go- not, we'll call him it. Yeah, we'll call him that anyway. And uh, going up against a 28th seed in the East, Greg Popovich. Um, and now, Captain K, you are the big NBA guy. Um, Greg Popovich, he'd be up there as one of the greatest coaches of all time in the NBA, fair to say? Yes, uh, in terms of longevity as well. Been there since the mid-90s. He's won five championships with the San Antonio Spurs. He's been there his whole uh, coaching career in the NBA. Absolute trooper. Is it, time he, is it time he moved on? Definitely not. Definitely it's not. It's not an Arsene Wenger situation no. like you won 20 years ago? Yeah. No, no, it's not because uh, up until about 2018, he made the playoffs every single year without fail and mm. uh, definitely contested for that Western Conference. Spurs have got a good roster. They've got a good pick this year. So I reckon uh, the next rookie uh, it's is going to be uh, looked after by none other oh. than the great one, the well, pop. Going up against Graham Lowe, that's very tough. Graham Lowe, um, manly. Queensland. Yeah, State of Origin. Kiwis. Kiwis. Um, I also actually saw today, and this is unrelated now, so um, vote vote Lang, McCullum. Lang or McCullum? (sighs) Lang or McCullum? Lowe or Popovich? Double eight, double three. Um, I saw today that LeBron James, uh, Cleveland uh, Cleveland Cavaliers have made it through to the NBA playoffs for the first time without LeBron James since 1998. Is that correct? It is. It is correct. It was Mark Price that got them there Mm. last time, and then the LeBron era happened. 25 years. So they've never been to the playoffs in 25 years without LeBron. Says a lot about the, the... Says a lot about the Cavaliers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. The, I'm sure the Chicago Bulls have a similar, uh, similar stat somewhere. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Made, made the playoffs with Lonzo Ball. Wow, that was a um, shortened season, wasn't it? Yeah, was was indeed. But yes, the Cavs. Good to have them back. Yeah. Good to have them Go back. Right, get your votes in. Uh, you've got. When do we result this? Um, I can't see. About an hour. In about an hour, we will result this one. This is the grandstanders today. Duncan Lang or Brendan McCullum in the Western Conference. Eastern Conference, Graham Lowe, Greg Popovich. And we've still got some bangers to come as well. Still some massive bangers to come. Um, Just a quick update on the cricket for you, Canterbury, or New Zealand cricket against Sri Lanka. No sign of play there at all. Um, Just two balls remaining in Canterbury's turn at bat. So, what's that, 49 and a half, only 211 for nine. 211 for nine. So it's just a tick over four runs and over. Um, the most economical is uh, Lennox for CD. He's got three for 27 off his 10. Uh, Patel's got one for 39 off his 10. Um, who's bowling now? Clarkson's bowling now. He's got three for 39 off pretty much his 10, just with two balls to go. He's just sent the second to last ball down, and it is a dot. So they're either going to finish on um, 211 or a touch more. So not a huge target for Central Stags. Uh, their batting lineup will be Bruce, Boyle, Clark, Bracewell, Clarkson, Cleaver, Lennox Patel, Schmulian, 
Small Smith and uh, Duddings 12th man won't have a bat. So there we go. That's the update in the grand final of the Ford Trophy being played at McLean Park in Napier, which is a fantastic viewing ground of cricket and rugby, any sport. And there we go. They have finished. They got a single off the final ball. 212 for nine is the target to chase in the Ford Trophy final. We're sort of, not another final. It might be the final today. Um, Sam and his wisdom has said that the vault is worth 200 TAB bonus bet from the get-go. And yesterday's contestant, I thought, was going to go all the way in day one, but didn't. So if you're listening yesterday, they had seven questions. They got, well, I don't know what the answer is. I feel like they were close. They might be miles off. So if you want to play the vault for a $200 TAB bonus bet, you get five questions today. Listen to yesterday's seven, which most of you would have. You get five yes-no questions to chuck at us today. Open the vault. $200 $200 TAB bonus bet will be yours. So call us now, 0800-150-811. Five questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Well, the line slid up. <clears throat> A lot of people think they've got it. Full border calls. I spun it. It landed on number eight, Sam. Number eight is uh, uh, Simon in Auckland. G'day, Simon. How are you going, boys? We oh, are good. We're fantastic. So you you listened yesterday, did you, Simon? Yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. Pretty well, actually. Yeah, I think you're going to owe him a few beers. Maybe. Um, should you pick up the chocolates today. Do you, so you got an idea of what you think it is? Oh, I've got a couple. Okay, yeah. okay. Right, use, use your oh. five oh. questions wisely. <laughs> oh, telephone telephon in the background. <laughs> is, that a, is that a landline, Simon? Yeah. Jeez. That's dispatch wondering where their order is. <laughs> That's all right, mate. Hit us with your first question. Let's get these five going. Okay. Um, oh, how many questions? Five. five. Yep. Um, is it an Australia v New Zealand match? Australia v New Zealand. No, it is not, Simon. Oh dear. Mm. There's one of your, um, your ideas gone. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you need to do you need to answer that, Simon? Do you want to answer that? We don't mind putting that to air yeah. if you need to. I'm on, I'm on the phone. Got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Not important, um, eh? Uh, it's like who nah. wants to be a millionaire? Phone a friend. I know what you're doing. Yeah. Um. Okay. Can I try a year? Yep. Um, That's uh, is that a question? Are you, is that question number two or? <laughs> yeah, number two. Um, was this in two thousand and five? Two thousand and five, Simon. It is not in two thousand and five. Oh dear. Um. Oh dear. Uh, um. Three more. Eh? Mm-hmm. Three more. Mm-hmm. Whittle it down. You might stumble on something. Um, gee, I wasn't. Uh, did it involve a Sean Johnson try? Ooh. You've done a big 180 there, Simon. Yes, it does involve a Sean Johnson try. Look at you go, Simon. So 
two to go. Two to go. I can hear your brain churning. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to think which, which one it may have... Uh, um... Well, I'll just throw it out there. Two questions. Plenty of space. Yeah. Um... Is it versus, oh, sorry, is it the Kiwis versus Great Britain? Kiwis versus Great Britain. Yes, it is, Simon. <laughs> One more than a guess. The crucial last question. Yeah. Um. Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> Vintage, yes, Jay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh no, I don't have that, but yes, you do. I. No. Um, One more, Simon. We're going to need that question. We're going to need that question. The clock is ticking quickly. <laughs> okay. Um, was it was it a Rugby League World Cup? Uh, oh no. Oh, was it a Rugby League World Cup? Yes, it was, Simon. Oh. Was it a World Cup, Kiz? I believe so. Oh. I believe so. It was a work. It was a rugby league World Cup. Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. That was, that so, that's your, that's your final, so that's your final. So that's your final question. So yeah, now you got your answer with a lot of detail. Yeah. Um. It was when he scored that. Um. Was, I was only about like less than a minute on the clock, and he scored that. That try when they beat England. Yeah, in the in the World Cup. Um, I feel like the Volta want a little bit more. Can you give me a year, Simon? Semi semi final. Yep. Can you give me a year? Um, <laughs> I tell you what. If you can't give me a year, I'll punch it into the vault, and we'll see if it accepts what you've given it. Come on, Google, Google, come on, quickly, quickly. <laughs> Get your fingers going, come on. It was, it was 20 to 18 to New Zealand. Yep. In a semi-final of the World Cup. Yep, yep. Uh, scroll down on the Wikipedia and see <laughs> where the year is. <laughs> Don't say that our mate Simon and Auckland is cheating. You're not allowed to say that. Should we try and chuck that I in? I think the we'll vault? chuck it in, Simon. We're just going to chuck it in the vault and we'll see uh, We'll see if it, if it accepts it. Nah, oh! nah, nah, just kidding. <laughs> it's a moment for heroes. Big throw out, Johnson. Johnson with a goal. What a try. What a try. Sean Johnson with the try that makes it all level. With literally seconds to play. And now he's going to kick to win the game. Well done, Simon. And a kick he did it, and they went through to the final. Um, yeah, look, that's probably a record for the longest vault we've ever done, Steph. Um, the interesting thing here, Simon, is all the other contestants, except two that rung through, they stayed on the line to listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, $200 TAB bonus bet. But, like, I, was, I had other things down, so I was miles away, so I had to just think of something off the cuff. <laughs> mate, you're freestyling like a champ. It's a good pivot. Yeah, like I had the Tamity Dowling fight. Yeah, yep. the kid will hit against Mason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and uh, and Sean Johnson tries. You could have picked a couple out of there as well. So, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, there's a 
few there, right? He scored a beaut in the weekend, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, the old step back. Oh, yeah. Vintage, vintage. All right, <laughs> Simon, well done, buddy. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers mate. There's Simon picking up a $200 TRB bonus bet. Stay on the line, Simon. Captain K's going to talk to you, or Sam's going to talk to you, someone's going to talk to you. So do stay on the line. We'll have a break and we'll come back.